Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. I'm Jimmy Conrad, alongside the pride of Modesto, California, Mr. Hollywood Heath Pierce, former high school All-American at wrestling, Charlie Chuckwagon Davies. And with the help of a very special guest who once played for the England national team, we're going to take a deep dive into the three Lions and whether they're not only favored to win the group, but can they also go on to win the whole tournament? I think there's a possibility there. But before we bring on our special guest, who's going to answer these types of questions for us, Charlie... What do you think? Do you think England can win it? I mean, they were semi-finalists in the 2018 World Cup. They were finalists in last mm-hmm. year's Euros. But it seems like a natural progression for them to now win it. They have the talent, clearly. So, yes. In my, in, in my opinion, yes, they can win. I mean, we saw them get to the finals of the Euros. This is a talented group. And I think that is going to help them in, in this World Cup, uh, the quest to get the trophy of the World Cup. So, Yes, I think this is a talented group and, you know, they're competing with, I guess, the expectations of a golden generation and they have all of these players. So I'm, I'm excited to see what, what's in store for England in the World Cup, but also the U.S. getting to compete against them. If, if they take them lightly, which I don't think they will, uh, the, US, the U.S. has a chance to, to really have a, an upset in this tournament. I think it's the one game in our group where we're the clear underdogs. Now, Heath, do you think that England can go on to win it? Because we do know England are going to England at times, and they haven't won a World Cup since 66 or a major trophy since 1966 in a World Cup that they hosted. Do you think they have the capability of doing it this time, or do you feel like the expectations are going to weigh them down? I mean, I think just the, and, and I'm interested to hear this from Julian, uh, the trajectory of the development of the player is different now. Players are willing to leave the country to get their minutes. They're willing to go outside of you know, the major, the the big six, so to speak, to get their minutes if they have to. And I think that's creating a better pipeline of players. But we're we're now seeing a group of players, if you go back to 2018, where they sort of revitalized what it meant to play for the national team, what it what it meant to represent uh, that that shirt for your country and the fans bought into that. And so I think we're coming to sort of a peak now moment that if they are going to win, it it has to be this one. And if not, it's going to be the next generation of players coming up into the national team or not quite in the national team that can get them that. So I do think they have the talent. But I think the time is now. And there's a little bit of that pressure that we're seeing. See that with Belgium and others where that sort of it's not a golden generation for them by any means. But it is it is a window that is closing in terms of being able to capitalize on the quality of players that they have in the national team at the moment. Okay, so that's our overall perspective right what, now. What about you? England. What about you, Jimmy? I do think they have the possibility of doing it. But one of my questions that I'm going to ask of our special guest is just that. I don't know if they have that clear-cut identity of who their first 11 is and what their best formation is. They have so many world-class players. Have they figured out who, who, who can lead them and who's the best partnerships, who has the best chemistry, that type of stuff? I mean, let's look at the right-back position. you got Kyle Walker, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and Reese James. Well, you're going to put one guy on the left side just to accommodate No, them, you're going to play Trent Alexander-Arnold. That's who you're Well, play. I don't know. I guess it depends on the <laughs> opponent. But, I mean, it, it, these are good problems to have. But I also think sometimes your biggest strength can be your biggest weakness. All right, let's yeah. get into our tale of the tape for our VIP guest. Standing six foot three inches tall, weighing a smelt 182 pounds, born in Birmingham, England. It's former England international, Premier League winning, League Cup winning, FA Cup winning center back who's now helping coach. The England U21 team, Julian, let's go! 
Yeah, what's up, man? That was very uh, American. That was a very American you, introduction. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very I took much. that from like WWE and boxing, and now yeah. I try to bring it in here to the podcast. So I have to start here, Jolian, because we brought you up in an interview with Eric Palmer Brown a while yeah. back. And I mentioned that you and I were friends. And I said, oh, so Eric, are you still talking with Jolien about your situation? Because he deals with the loan players or out on loan at Manchester City. He's like, oh, no, he left a long time ago. And I felt like a complete ass because I should know that if we're proper friends. So I just, just yeah. for the record, Jolien, we're friends. We've known each other for yeah, years. Yeah, now we're friends. Yeah, we speak. Yes. We speak. Yeah, yeah. We speak. Oh, why didn't, know know why didn't he know that? Why didn't he know that then? I don't know. I don't know. I should have known that. And I apologize. It wasn't an innocent. Okay, you yeah, can say he's your friend, but then, but he's a bad friend for not knowing what's going on in your life. There you go. He doesn't care. That's care. it. That's it. I got to pick up my friendship with Jolien and, and start to invest more time. So I apologize for that, but it's great. Thank you for coming on and thank you for validating our friendship. So my, my first question before I throw it over to the other guys, we're talking kind of overall perspective on England, the three lions, obviously third favorites by the bookies. Brazil's the first, uh, I think plus 450. Then you have France at plus 550, England at plus 700. As we mentioned before, semifinalists at the world cup last time around finalists in last season's or last summer's euros. Do you think that Gareth Southgate, the manager, has a good problem here, but too much talent that he hasn't identified who his best 11 is and who's going to give him that type of success to go on and win this type of trophy? I don't know if that's ever a problem, to be honest. Uh, like having too much talent is, is always a good thing or having talent is a good thing. Um, the circumstances around this World Cup, I think, help. I think with the physical element of the Premier League and now being in in the middle of the season will help. Uh, players won't be going to the World Cup or a tournament tired and fatigued potentially. Um, so that hopefully that is is a, um, a plus for England. But there's so much talent worldwide. Yeah, it's, it's hard to call who's going to be fit, who's going to be in form. Um, but we're definitely one of the favourites, rightly so. And and do you think the that lack of fatigue that you're talking about having this Winter World Cup is is what the team has suffered from going into the summer in terms of the results that they've had in the Nations League, or is there something potentially bigger in not getting the results uh, that they've had this summer? No, I think that plays a, a plays a part in it. The fatigue mentally as well, not just physically, and and also you know what it's like when you played and, and you come to an end of the season, the, the climax of winning or losing a, a major honor has a huge emotional impact on you. That won't be the case in, in the winter. Like there won't be any t- um, trophies up for grabs before the tournament. So again, that kind of emotional decline that you could have after winning or after losing a major tournament, whether it's the Euro, um, the, the Premier League, whether it's the Champions League, it just won't have a factor. It won't play a factor on, on their um, mental state. Bruv, I got a question for you. <laughs> We're looking at the 11 for the three Lions. Yeah. How many players have cemented their spot as a starter in this 11? Oh. Hey, there's. You want the names? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah. You just want who? You want yeah. the names? Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's go. You, you probably say Pickford. Jordan Pickford probably plays. Um, John Stones and Harry Maguire probably start. If there's a back three, I would say Kyle Walker. Okay. Um, I think if Ben Chilwell's back to his, his best, the form that he was before he's injured, I think he starts right side, left side. I think the hardest one is is the Trent, Reese James selection. I think that would be dependent on the opposition um, and how he wants to play. Um, I think Declan Rice... Okay, it's, um, so talk to me about. I think. Well, no, I just want to jump in about the center backs before. Yeah. Because I, I'm curious if you're going to go with the back three, where because we saw Kyle Walker, Maguire, and Stones. And Harry Maguire. But Harry Maguire is a team. <laughs> he's become a bit of a meme, to be honest. Where we think that's a spot where mm-hmm. we can attack him. Now, obviously, he's going to have a run up to you said about current form. He might just have a blistering start with Manchester United under Eric Ten Hag and. All those jokes will kind of go away. And he's proven his worth with the three lines and, and that he can do the job. But but it still feels like there's some vulnerabilities in that back line. I mean, who, would you go with the back three? Would you go with the back four and, and make Trent or a Reese or Ben Chilwell the wing backs and, and maybe sacrifice a spot somewhere else? Or is it dependent on the opponent against the Iran? Yeah. You know, or yeah, I think uh, it's all them yeah. factors. Yeah, I think all them factors have to be considered like 
who you're playing, like if you're playing against the USA, let's say, for instance, who are your most attacking? Where's your vulnerabilities, which may enhance the decision based on that? So if it's your strong up front, then we may need to go back four. But if you're if you're weak in certain areas, then we're thinking, well, we can expose that, and we need to to ex- expose that. With so what with you're saying is, forward, we're, you're so. going to play a back three, is what you're saying. Oh no, but that's, that's what <laughs> they tend to play that in the summer, so. I can't imagine it being too far from from where he's going to select his, his formation. Um, the personal, again, that's it's a hard one. But if you're going on history, then like you said, Harry Maguire's club form wasn't great, but his, his England form has been outstanding. Let's talk a little bit about the reputation of, of, at least in your perspective, the U.S. national team. Obviously, our U19s get a 2-1 win over, over England U19s recently, and well, it doesn't stand for much. Is there a perception change? I, I know the media calls you know every World Cup an easy group for England, but in terms of the players that are coming up through the system, has the respect for the American player changed at all? Is there is there any sort of concern about uh, the U.S. or anybody else in that group for that matter, or does England sort of see themselves pretty far separated and that it's you know it just would be down to p- bad performances where they would lose in in the group stage? No, no. Listen, I think if you're expect to win a tournament you've got to go into the group stage believing you can beat all the teams um and that's not being disrespectful um obviously we know over recent years usa have, have become stronger with, with more talent maybe not a stronger team but definitely a lot more talent that's recognizable throughout europe which is which is good for obviously your national team but i don't think england will be fearing anyone in the groups especially um and again that's no disrespect you can't be one of the favourites believing you can win the tournament and then be fearing any any team uh, in the group stage. I don't. I don't think anyone would expect England to be fearing the U.S. If anything, yeah. overlooking the U.S. and and that would play to an advantage for the U.S. If maybe they say, "Hey, U.S. gets a draw in the first game, the sec heading into the second game, maybe England had a a thumping four zero win over Iran. They come into the U.S. game." Maybe they take their foot off the gas a little bit. That that would be the hope, right? If you're if you're an American, I think, yeah, I think it's more hope, but I don't yeah. think that that'll be the case. I think right. the way tournaments go now, like when we're talking about best 11s, it doesn't stay that way. I think in previous tournaments for whatever nation, there's there hasn't been any rotation. It's like the team plays, you get your first two wins, and then all of a sudden, do you want to change that and, and lose momentum? But I don't think that'll be the case with England now. I don't think you'll be able to select starting 11 every game I think right. it, it's determined on the opposition so that keeps every player motivated and focused and that can only be a benefit as you go through the, the stages of the competition well we, we talk about the depth all day for England is there any players that come to mind that you think over the next six months will vault themselves into maybe a more prominent role with, with the English national team or come onto the scene that haven't been on the scene yet yeah I think um Mark Gooey is in the squad now. I think he's came in, he's come in and, and uh, he, he's held himself. Tomori Fukai, who's obviously at AC Milan. Uh, if he's performing in the Champions League, you expect him to be knocking on the door of uh, of the centre-back position. So them two players, you would you would hope or expect to to be involved if their progression continues. Um, potentially uh, Jacob Ramsey, um, Aston Villa is someone I've worked with and, and admire as, as a professional as well. But it's a huge talent. Um, I'm sure working with Steven Gerrard, he's going to pick up some some advantages to his game. Um, but again, you, it's hard. It's so early to say. Um, I was going to say, I was going to say, Bell- Bellingham maybe is a yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Listen, Jude, exceptional, exceptional talent. Uh, but I'd, would that be a surprise if he was to play every game? Would he? Would not be? surprised if he was the guy like you don't expect it to happen but he's an exceptional talent so I just wouldn't be surprised if he was the stunner now talk to us about being in a tournament with the three Lions obviously there's an incredible amount of pressure from the media and from the fans to to win every single tournament that you're in now you had a chance and were unfortunate to get injured before the 2010 World Cup to represent your country at that level but in 2012, you, you played and scored against France in the opening game of the 2012 Euros. You guys ended up losing the penalty in penalties to Italy along the way. But but what kind of advice maybe would you give to this current group, especially given the fact that you've just been coaching our, the U21s for England, where you're trying to qualify for those U21 Euros the following summer? I mean, all that experience that you've learned, what would you say to this particular group of players as they walk into this tournament, knowing what you know? 
Yeah, it'd be difficult for me to pass. And they, these this group of players have got to semi-finals and finals of major competitions. So um, in terms of of that, you 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 know, as players, you tend to to look back at previous experience and say, if it's painful, I don't want to I don't want to feel that again. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And use it as motivation. So I'm sure the players will be will be ready for that. And but uh, but what Gareth has created is a a unity within the squad that I, I haven't seen before. I, I think there's a collective support. Um, and whether it's purposely done, but I think the fact that there's so many variety of teams that represent England now, um, I think that helps the camaraderie within the group and also the fan base, which has in galvanised performances um, in previous competitions. But yeah, just get just remembering previous results, performances, and what that felt like when you win and what you lose, and then just using that as motivation. When you when you look at you, and this is more of a, a personal anecdote question, looking at your role now with the U twenty ones, how how different of a challenge is it at the national team level to be monitoring players, developing players, and then as it comes together, and obviously the four of us all played in the in the at the national team level, but now turning that into you know you talked about it with the U S team saying yeah you've got better individuals, but maybe not not a better team. I mean, how difficult is that to build a team now? You're working with the U21s and now what you're seeing, you know, going back to 2018 with, with, with this England national team and how they've sort of come together, started to sort of block out all of, all of the noise, you know, putting it together a good team. I mean, how different is that at, at the national team level than it is at the club level? No, yeah, I think it's, it's more difficult at our level in national team in terms of 21s because in the greatest respect, if we go on to win the Euros next year, It'll be a massive achievement, but the goal is for England to win the World Cup, England to win the Euros at senior level. So, listen, our, our job is to develop players for senior for the senior team. Uh, we we know that, um, so we're aware that we may lose players, and that's not a bad thing. Like if we can develop them and push them forward, then then all all for it. But I think when you're in a first team or or the senior team, your objective is to win the tournament or the competition that you're in. So. I think it's uh, it's slightly different motivations, and 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 like I said, you all have to be pulling in the same direction. Where for us now, we're debating whether we go with the best individuals to enhance their performance and their reputation, or do we go with the best team in order to uh, maximise the potential of the group? Um, it, it's a hard decision because we're in a development uh, phase of football. But listen, when you're in the senior level, it's it's all about winning and results. Before we are rudely interrupted by Jimmy, I mean, um, what I just well, wanted to get well, more in depth on the center back position. <laughs> after De- after Declan Rice, which you said it, he's certified starter, do you think now that Phillips with his move to Manchester City is is a is the other partner or is there someone else? And then what does the front three look like? I know Harry Kane has got to be yeah cemented. again yeah yeah Harry Kane listen he's proven so he plays I think Raheem Sterling is another one. Um, between Mason Mount, Phil Foden, Kelvin Phillips. And, and again, I, I think with Kelvin potentially going to, to Man City, I, I don't know if it's finalised yet. So, uh, But it looks in the moment, hopefully that's the case. Um, how does that look? And, and then we've touched on Jude. I think there's so many factors, and so many different playing styles within them players. I don't think anyone will be going there thinking they're going to start every game. I think there's probably four players. It, even the centre-backs, all the centre-backs I mentioned then, I don't think they'll be thinking they'll play every game, every minute of every game. I think Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling probably think that, um, rightly so. But again, any other player, I think he's he's going there with the with the realisation of, I'm going to have to play some part. How much that is, is determined down to the manager. And then I would add, because you did mention, you've never seen this type of camaraderie with Gareth Southgate. So we did a lot, a couple episodes ago. We said, what does the England starting 11 in 2010 look like when we played them in that World Cup when we got the draw versus this England team now? How would you compare the two in terms of – we? because, you know, you look at the midfield. What, what was that team? Yeah. That, that, yeah. Well, it was like Gerard. Gerard and Lampard. Lampard, the, Wayne Rooney. Rooney up top with Heskey. Heskey. You had Ashley John, Cole John left Terry. back. John Terry. Rob John Green Terry. And I think Yeah, Rob. I think Rio was injured. That time, so it was Glenn Johnson. Would it have been as well? Then? Yeah, yes. Glenn Johnson. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gareth Barry maybe in the, around there. But again, so that's what we're talking about: talent and a team. Like, if you say Rio, JT, Ashley Cole, Frank, 
Stevie and Wayne Rooney. Pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> they, they they play. They on talent alone, they play in this team. You know what I mean? They play, they get into the current squad and into the team. But as I said, for whatever reason, um, I think it was due to more tactical than anything. Um, yeah, the harmony of the group is different now. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, a more diverse group of uh, players from different teams in the league, um, but also like like the coaching is different. It, it's a lot more man management involved. I, I just think when I was involved at, at them times, it was more of a, an expectation on, well, you're talented, so figure it out, which isn't always the case, especially mm-hmm. when you get to a World Cup. It, it doesn't always work like that. So um, it's totally different now. It's totally, even, even the support of the team, like the last Euros and the World Cup, like, I know we say every competition is coming home, but there's a real belief right where before it's just been a hope it comes mm-hmm. home, but now there's like a real belief. And, hey, and you, Jimmy, before, hold on. Before we go, go any ahead. further, I just want to let you know that Julian uh, validated Charlie and I saying those players would be in the team now, players that you, Jimmy, May have thought maybe wouldn't wouldn't make the team right now. I just want to point that out. Well, I don't, I don't, remember I don't that. want that to be. I don't I, want. Okay, I don't want I just brush over I, that. We, but Charlie and I got validated with Julian saying those players would play in this team. You know what? I want to open up old squad. stuff here with a, with a special <laughs> guest on. So so yeah. so Julian, given given that it's clear there's a path to success that's been working for England as you continue to progress from semifinalist to finalist to potentially champion this time around in the 2022 World Cup. Give us your predictions of how you think. This is going to play out. Let's start with the group. You got Iran first. You play the U.S. second, and then you got Wales, a, f- a familiar opponent in in your last game. Yeah. How do you think the group's going to play out? And then how do you think the rest of the tournament is going to go? Because at some point, you're going to be facing a Brazil, an Argentina, a Germany, a Spain. Yeah. you know, one of the big big nations. France. Yeah. No, I, I, listen. I see England topping the group. I see them beating Iran and and USA, and potentially a draw or something against Wales because I I just know what that means. To, to the Welsh nation um, and that obviously in the Euros of what was it a few years ago they they caused a lot of problems um, so I don't see that being a slip up I just see that just being a massive game and also having played what Scotland in, in the previous competition home nations is different it's like a derby if you can have that in, in international football but I oh, see we can we have it with Mexico yeah. so yeah yeah, yeah so I think England qualify top of the group um and then going through the, the latter stages, again, it depends. I, France, for me, would be the favourites um, due to past history and the players. I think if they get it right, it's hard to to look past their talent pool um, because they are stacked in pretty much every position. Um, but I don't no think love, No love for this, uh, this new... Leo Messi in Argentina or Brazil stacked in every position as well. Any any love for South America? <laughs> Brazil, yeah, definitely. I think the climate helps Brazil. I think they are, yeah, they they produce, they could produce. I, I don't see Argentina. Again, I don't know all the players, all the yeah, positions, right, right, which right. is probably the first time like you probably haven't been aware of every position. They are strong. Um, but in terms of team, another European team, I, I, would, I would say... My strongest Europeans are England, France, and Portugal. Mm. Yeah, Portugal are stacked too. Yeah, Portugal are pretty pretty consistent and 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 like balanced. That's what I look at is the balance. Like mm-hmm. you've got to you can't just be top heavy. You'd like yeah. So I'd say Portugal. Was it was it England that I think if they go on their path and win the group they could face France in the in the quarterfinals or something like that? There's a couple teams I I was looking at. I think England's pathway. Could be a pretty challenging one. Uh, I mean, obviously, you got to beat a lot of people to win the, win the tournament, but there's some big hitters. I think I think it may have been England, but I I could be wrong. Well, I mean, that's going to be. Diff- I haven't looked at the pathway, but yeah, you, you've got to expect to beat them teams. Yeah, literally. And yeah, then- it says if if England win Group B, they would take on the runners up in Group A. So Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, or Netherlands. So Senegal or Netherlands, and then for there in the quarterfinals, they would most likely face. France, who, but, but, but unless Argentina beats France, that's who they'd face in the quarters. And the semifinals, <laughs> they would face Belgium or Portugal. And then the final, they'd probably take on Spain, Germany, or Brazil. Yeah. So. Easy. Pretty, easy. Easy. Yeah, easy. 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 Yeah, for real. Hey, hey, wait. Here's a question Is the, you think the Euros at, at, at some level is as challenging as, as the World Cup in oh, terms yeah. of the pathway? 
hundred percent, yeah, I, I, I do. Um, but having listened to them teams, then mm. there's no, there's, there's no easy route. Like you, you, you were looking at the pathway in the Euros, and you, you were thinking, like, say, in the greatest respect, I know they beat us in the, in the summer, but you're thinking, like, let's play Hungary. Uh, and there's teams that, that you, you could face that you're, you're thinking, yeah, I'll, I'll take them. But there's no teams that you want to take. There's no teams that you're saying is a gimme outside of the group stage in, in the World Cup. So, yeah, it's tough. I, I would say since you're over there in England and, and you're watching these Americans play, Christian Pulisic is the biggest name that comes to mind. Zach Steffen, who you, you've seen at Manchester City. How How is Christian, in your mind, developing over there? Do you think he's because we watch him in the states and we say man they don't rate him like we rate him like especially at yeah, chelsea no. and when he's playing at his best he's a game changer he should be an automatic yeah. player but it seems like thomas tuchel takes him in takes him out takes him in and he's always the first scapegoat and for zach stefan you're never going to play right you're, you're on the bench you're yeah. watching ederson play but now it looks like he's got, got a loan to middlesbrough lined up how how do you see his development taking off if that loan goes through for him no, yeah, he's an exceptional talent. Um, I, I think that is probably the most consistent position America produces goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it may coincide with the sports you play over there and uh, hand-eye coordination. But yeah, Zach Steffen is an exceptional talent. Um, so, listen, he's obviously made the conscious decision to go on loan in the World Cup year um, and, and get into a rhythm and get into a form. So... Yeah, it only bodes well for America that with Pulisic. Uh, yeah, I've been surprised by the lack of minutes he's played. I, 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 like when I've watched him play, I'm very impressed um, with his talent and stuff. But listen, you're playing for Chelsea. There's no given right to start for them teams. You, you, when it's all said and done, he's won the Champions League. So I don't think he's going to be disappointed uh, with, his, with, his, with his career. But yeah, players want to play. Players want to play. So, again, is he going to make a kind of decision this year in, in regards to getting more regular game time in order so he's he's ready for, for the World Cup? Because he could be like a Gareth Bale. Like, Gareth Bale is well aware of what his body needs to look like in order to perform. Um, and he consciously makes that decision based around being right for Wales. And that's what Pulisic may do. If, if he were to leave Chelsea, what would be the right spot for him in your mind? If he were going to another... Another team. Another help help us solve this, Julian, because we don't yeah. really know. Yeah, no, no. In, in terms of, t- like, where could he play? He could play in a number of teams. But when I've seen, we recently seen the link with Liverpool, um, that wouldn't be, that would make sense. Like, he's obviously worked with the manager. He can play at a high intensity, um, contribute up there. But again, does he play? Does he go there and play? Now, Diaz has gone in there and played so well. So, Listen, uh, depends what he wants. Does he want to get numbers, trophies, or does he want to get into a rhythm? So based on that, I think that's where your decision lies. Like having worked in that side of football loans and deciding that, there's, that's the factor. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to develop your weaknesses or are you trying to enhance your strengths? And your decision is based around that, really. Yeah, I, it's a World Cup year, so I'm hoping he goes out there to try to get some minutes, and then he can worry about winning trophies after the fact. All right, Joel, we can monopolize your time for sure. We appreciate you coming on. We know you're a busy guy getting your master's degree, getting your coaching oh, badges, go. coaching wow. the U21 Euros. Wow. I mean, you're doing it all, and we appreciate it. Hey, you. get that arm you. wrestling competition going, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, hey. I see Meeks, but uh, nah, I'm, Meeks I'm got, cool, Meeks I'm got worked. I'm not Meeks. I'm not Meeks. <laughs> That's my uh, guy. But, that is my guy, but I'm not mixed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one question we have to ask you, and we ask this of all of our special guests that come on during your playing career, and you had a, a fantastic playing career. Was there a jersey that you swapped with someone that you really wanted and you got? And conversely, was there someone that you regretted not getting because you were maybe afraid to ask, or maybe somebody beat you to it, or or that? Like, give us give us some good stories here on on some jersey swaps. Yeah, no. To be fair, I, I'd never. Um, I got jerseys based on friendships uh, or players I really admired. Um, so I was lucky to get the ones I wanted. The only one I'd say I was so starting reverse. The one I wasn't able to get, and that's because I didn't play against him, was my favorite player of all time, was R nine. Um, like I never got to play against him, so I would have been fighting teammates to get that shirt one hundred percent. But in terms of the ones I got, I managed to get. 
again, player I really admired was um, Lillian Taram. So we played oh, good France and uh, it was Beckham Sonjuk cap. So we played France and we walk walking off and I've asked for his shirt and he's, he's took it off and, he, and he's given it to me and I've just walked off. I've just thought, yeah, I've got his shirt and he's like <laughs> grabbing me from the back of my shirt and said, oh, oh. And I've had to take mine off. Yeah. I was thinking he doesn't want my share, but to be fair to he, he took it. That's that, great. That's hey, was the there thing. ever, you know, I, I always go back to, I wanted, uh, when I played Brazil, I wanted the Robinho, but Eddie Johnson ran out on the pitch and snatched it before I could. <laughs> and Robinho and I kind yeah. of made the deal in the, in, in the tunnel before the game started. It was a friendly. So like you could, you could have these conversations. They were asking where we're going out yeah. that night. And I was asking who's going to give me a jersey. It sounds, uh, that sounds right about yeah. Robinho. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, then, and then Eddie went out and snatched it. Was there anyone that you saw that maybe you talked to beforehand or, or that you had uh, arranged or really wanted that you saw somebody go and swoop in? Because you can always get, you know, you can get the dirty one off yeah. the floor in the locker room, uh, that first half jersey if you want, but it's not the same, yeah. No, no, to be fair, um, I've got a Benzema shirt from Champions League game. Oh, I'm a massive nice. fan. Like, I know he's gotten a lot of praise and rightly so recently, but I'm... I'm early Benzema fan like I'm original original oh, fan member oh, yeah, yeah I'm original like original so I've got a Champions League one from like I think it's from 2011 um, nice. but again huge fan of his uh, the only one that happened to me would have been Micah like, I was at Everton he was at City and uh, we were friends before I joined the club and I asked for his shirt um, and he said Tim Kale who got everyone's shirt oh Tim Kale's already asked for it so I, I couldn't even get Micah's oh, shirt oh Micah uh, played you was, like yeah, that are you out of your mind yeah man yeah don't be oh, like that don't be we, bad. we, don't we be had bad. Heath I think Heath traded with someone at halftime have you ever seen that no no, no, yeah. no 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 <laughs> I didn't do that I was way more professional I was way more professional than that. <laughs> who was it who was it was it Jimmy yeah, Jimmy you know Jimmy, Jimmy did the halftime trade no, I did, what are you talking about why are you now casting this because it was not that was that. not no me. it was Eddie Johnson remember he went and got Tevez oh like, that's what it oh, was Tevez hey hey and the coach <laughs> it's a good shirt it's a good shirt to get but no no yeah but the coach said you out we were losing 2-0 <laughs> yeah, was, was, he, was, he was he was he playing or was he on the bench? Tevez wasn't playing. Eddie, but, was, but Eddie playing. was playing. Yeah, Eddie yeah. was playing. And they were going he, through. Yeah, he's coming. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. Uh, no, you can't no, do no, that. No, no. Well, Julian, let's go. We appreciate your time. The man, the myth, the legend. Congratulations to all of, to your career and all the success that you're having. Good luck with your future. Excuse me, your future current uh, coaching badges and and everything else that yeah. you're doing. We'll have to bring you back on after the U.S. beat England to see how you're feeling and see the tears <laughs> that you might be getting. Oh, and uh, no, best of luck to the three lions and best of luck to you moving forward. And and uh, I look forward to being a better friend to you <laughs> as well. Yeah. All right, everybody, we're going to uh, take our first and only break of In Soccer We Trust. But when we return, we're going to bring in some news around the U.S. men's national team, including a player named Jordan Pifak, who's made a move from the Swiss League to the Bundesliga. Don't go anywhere. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Where's Welcome the back, cream cheese? Where's the cream cheese commercial? Trust. If you're watching oh. this on YouTube, there was no cream cheese commercial this time around which is a little sad for me because that joke will continue to have legs the more we show the cream cheese commercial. For everybody listening on podcast, we appreciate your support. You're not getting the same commercials. We apologize, but there's a funny cream cheese like eSports mockumentary that's coming up on Paramount+. Plus. You should check it out. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, ISWTPod. That would be fantastic. We appreciate your support on all platforms. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside two of my former U.S. Men's National Team teammates, Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce. Guys, we just had Julian Lescott on. I'm excited that he validated our friendship. That was awesome. I had to start there with our interview. Anything that he said, Heath, I'll come to you first, that really stood out and 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 
made you more excited for this England matchup, which is happening the day after Thanksgiving, or 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 kind of made you feel like, no, nah, I think we can take these guys. I mean, there's just a, a and, and he's on the inside of it. It's it's a it's a level of confidence that England never lived up lived up to. They had the same confidence for the last thirty years. They never lived up to that. The national team level up until this new generation going back to eighteen and and um, and then Euros and and whatnot. So twenty and but it, it's matching up with the quality and the talent that they have. And I and for me, the, the biggest thing is like hoping we get to that level with our national team at a certain point where that there's just this confidence, right? When we talk about England, we're still a ways off of that belief. There's 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 a lot of hope woven into us beating England tactics and how they come out and where we can really break them down versus England looking at it saying, hey, we're better on paper, we're better on the field, we're better as a team. We should beat them, and we should, you know, we're 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 looking past the group stage. You're not looking past it because they're going to do the business, but but you know, we're, we're looking at trying to win this thing. And I, that level of confidence, I think, is, is what we should be aspiring to uh, for the U.S. as a fan base, as 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 players, to have that that true belief, and it's not sort of smoke and mirrors. I think that'll happen a little bit, Charlie, leading up to 2026, because we need this young group of players to actually get their World Cup experience. They don't have it yet. They just went through their first qualifying phase. And I think no matter what happens in this World Cup, it's going to really benefit us leading into 2026. Maybe not to have the confidence that England has because they've had back-to-back tournaments of playing very, very well at a high level, you know, with everybody watching with extreme expectations and pressure. But I think there will be some element of that because we'll be facing the same types of expectations because we'll be hosting that tournament in 2026. Yeah, I think that this England team honestly thinks they're going to win. And they have a lot of talent. But again, I'm going to use that. If if you're an American, which we've always used, is that underdog role. We're going to use that because everyone's going to look at us and go, oh, that's a young group. They don't have any experience. Maybe some players aren't playing regularly. Christian Pulisic, maybe he's playing half the games like he always does. This is a moment for us to come in and make some noise. At the end of the day, this World Cup was always about grooming our, our future stars for 2026. But don't let that, de- de- I guess, de- be a deter- deterrent from mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this group's potential in this tournament. Because we can get out of this group. That should be the ex- expectation. So I'm excited. And I think, realistically, we can, we can get a result against England. And that, that'll set the tone. That will set the tone for, for, for this World Cup. It, it will. I'm, I'm kind of curious if they trip up against Iran in game one, how much more pressure there will be on them in game two. Because no matter what happens with the results, say they lose to Iran and we beat Wales and we've got three points and they've got zero good into the second one, they're still going to be the favorites no matter what the situation mm-hmm. is. And I'm curious. And, and I know that there was some deflection from Jolien about uh, well, having talent's a good problem to have, and and this is what you want as a national team, and I get that. But when I look back at, let's say, the 2002 Brazil team, that team picked itself, right? You had Ronaldo up top. You had Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, Gibraltar uh, Silva in the middle. You had Roque Jr. in the back with Lucio. You had Roberto Carlos and Cafu. Like that team, you weren't breaking into that team. And when I look at this England team, even though they have talent, it's clear, world-class talent. I still don't know if they know their identity, though they have worked it out. They've had a couple tournaments where they've they've figured it out. But Keith, I'm I'm kind of looking at you here. Is there a way we can maybe play into their lack of maybe their best eleven, and, or maybe they figure that out in, in the Iran game, and then we're not, maybe if we I mean, were playing them first. I guess I'm talking myself into a circle here. But they're, I mean, they're they're also going through this situation now where Harry Kane could make a move this summer. Uh, Raheem Sterling's probably going to make a move this summer. Um, They've got a number of Phil Foden is 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 emerging. So yeah, they've kind of they've always got that constant overlap of next talent and and current talent, and they've got things moving. They've got a lot of moving pieces, but they're just like you talk about getting getting a punch to the face by Iran. They could also put up five on Iran, right? Like they could right, score right. early and run away on Iran to where Iran doesn't even know what's going on. Uh, before by the time that they try to figure it out or figure out how to how to settle in, they could be down multiple goals, and so. They have that level of talent, but again, I, I agree with you, Jimmy, that they the talent is high and they have depth. But uh, I am curious about that that starting eleven and the cohesion within this team. Um, but you you know you take it into context of the results they've gotten uh, postseason uh, at the club level and and going into the summer for the national team compared to again mid season and a World Cup where uh, there isn't that exhaustion point of too many matches or or again coming off of chasing uh, a trophy. 
Okay, so now let's pivot to one of the players in our team who, if he does well with this move, I'm talking about Jordan Pifak, who left Young Boys after winning the Golden Boot with 22 goals in the Swiss League last season to go to Union Berlin, who kind of a surprise to finish fifth in the Bundesliga last season. They will be in the Europa League, so that's good news, even though we know that Young Boys played in the Champions League group stages uh, not too long ago, and he scored against Manchester United in that game. But how important is this move for Jordan Pifak at age 26 and to his chances, our resident number nine, Charlie Davies? Because if he blows it up in the Bundesliga, he's going to have to force Greg Berhalter to take him. There's just no other option, in my humble opinion. It's a it's a massive move for Jordan Pifak because if he stayed in the same league with young boys and produced the same amount of goals, nothing's changing. The mm-hmm. only way to continue to develop and progress is by getting a move to a better league, a bigger league, which is the Bundesliga, and continue to produce. If you do that in that league, you are you are going to be on you are going to be on this World Cup team. You are going to make this team if you produce like you did in Switzerland, because obviously Union Berlin will also be in Europe. You're and you're playing in Europa League, so he's still getting European competition, and he's and he's constantly playing against you know really top teams in the Bundesliga week in and week out. So I think for him. This was the move he needed to make in order to give himself a real chance at not only being on the World Cup, but developing into a, a, a bigger, better uh, striker. Okay. And I, by the way, I think he I think he can do well uh, the way that he the way he he's got um, uh, a lot of tools that I think play well in Germany of being a physical striker in between the center backs. When you think about um, what's his name that I was uh big horse that was at, at uh, Wolfsburg and a number of others that are like kind of your traditional target strikers. I played with mostly target strikers when I was in Germany. And I think that that can do well, whether that fits into Greg's. I, again, if he does well, he's going to the world cup for sure. Now, whether or not he's, he'll ever be part of Greg's plans in terms of the style that he wants to play is, is another conversation, but it is, I agree with Charlie that it is a validator to say, all right, you don't like me here. You're still like, there's still an asterisk next to my name because of who, who I scored against and where, and you don't like the way that I am in the national team. I'm going to go improve it and go after the next level. And I think that's his only chance, one, as a player to develop, but two, to prove Greg, to prove Greg Berhalter wrong in that, in that case. Yeah, for everybody that doesn't know, Union Berlin uh, have a really, really disciplined counterattacking style. And I think that's going to be interesting. Maybe not for us against Wales, where I think it, we might go toe-to-toe. We might even have more possession in that game. And I think Iran's going to sit in a low block. But against an England, that could be really vital with regard to how we counter and how we take advantage of the spaces that we get and how important it's going to be to hold up the ball, which I still think is an area that our number nines in general have to get better at as we look to transition so we can get and lay that ball off to our obviously very attacking uh, or talented wingers and, and central midfielders to make that happen. Now, the, the sporting director, club managing director, excuse me, Union Berlin said, Jordan is a striker who will suit us well with the way he plays and who can play in different systems. We're looking forward to him, his goal threat, and the fact that he has chosen Union Berlin. That is uh, Oliver Runert who uh, made those comments. So they're excited to have him, and he's excited to be there. And I think it's a win-win situation, Heath. By the way, Jimmy, and and yours, Fisher, is, is the manager who spent most of his managerial career before going to Union Berlin in the Swiss League. And so I think there is a respect that will come with this quality of player, that scouting, that belief, the network that you have to be able to scout a player and bring them in and feel like they're going to be of real value for you. So I, it's more than just, like I think, a hope. I think there is a real belief in, in, in his ability to contribute, which will only help the national team. Okay, now let's pivot into our younger national team players, our U-20s. Did the business against Costa Rica in the, the U-20 CONCACAF tournament, and that now books our ticket to the U-20 World Cup. This is the fifth straight time we've qualified for the FIFA U-20 World Cup. It's in Indonesia next summer. That's a very exciting proposition for our guys. However, we still have one more step to go because if we beat Honduras in the semifinals, Charlie Davies, we book our ticket to the Olympics in 2024, which would be the first time we've done that in the last three Olympics. Let's go. So, So this is a group of players obviously playing very well. Another Aronson, Paxton scored a brace against Costa Rica. That game got a little chippy at the end. Maybe you guys saw it. On the internet, everybody listening and watching where there was a little bit of a fight afterwards. But I like our pluckiness. I like that we have some some belief in who we are and what we're about. We're not going to back down from anybody, Charlie. So I like us against Honduras. But as we've seen in previous iterations, you still got to go out there and fight. We might be more talented on paper, but we still got to go out there and actually put the effort in. Nobody's going to hand us anything. Respect has to be earned. Ha- has to be. 
And and this is a valuable experience for this younger group. We saw Mexico failing to qualify. Which is crazy. For the Olympics and under 23s, uh, for the under 20s in the Olympics, which is unheard of because they typically dominate not only CONCACAF, but they're dominant across the globe. And you're looking at the U.S. on the flip side. We haven't been to the Olympics since 2008. Which is this, which? On, can I just say it is embarrassing? But go it, ahead, keep it going. is. It, it is embarrassing. But if we can get groups in the under twenty World Cup, in the under twenty three Olympics, that is how you continue to develop and get them in these atmospheres. So that come World Cup time, nothing's new. You're not shell shocked. You've been in in the top level of uh, competition in that environment. That's why it's so important. So you can always be tested against the best in the world. This group should should win this game. They should win this game, but nothing is a given. And this is, again, it brings us back to World Cup qualifying. Nothing's easy. All these teams are playing for their lives because it's a, an opportunity to set up their family, to set up success for themselves. And so you have to come in with that type of mentality. That is, It's literally life or death. That's how you so, have to play. Yeah, you have to play. And, and now the, the, the game's tomorrow, the semifinal, U.S. U-20s versus Honduran U-20s, Heath. Uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. From what I sense right now, you can't even find a chance to stream it. I mean, but I'm sure there's ways to to identify that in, in different ways. The internet has this powers, magical powers that you can find any streamed game somewhere. Wait, is this not? Point. Is this okay? Um, yeah, that's uh, it's not a, uh, it's not scheduled on on one of the networks. Not, uh, I guess it's on. Sorry, the game will be available on Fubo TV. Excuse Fubo me, TV. I'm just catching okay. that right now. Fubo well, because FS2 or whatever had uh, the, the last two rounds. Uh, so I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that then they got to pick this yeah. one up. Yeah. It feels so I'm like assuming it's... they picked up the knockout rounds only, but we'll, 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 yeah, we'll see about that. But by, by the way, there's a, a few small details and uh, that have happened. I still don't think this USU 20 team knows who their best 11 is either, by the way, going into these games, but now they've secured one part. Now the most important one is, is, is Olympics as, as we all know, just in terms of, you're in a semifinal. You need to win that semifinal, regardless of who you're playing against. Yes, that gets you to the Olympics, but you have to be able to show up that you could and play uh, under pressure. Quinn Sullivan and and um, uh, Paxton Aronson have been have been two of the best players, and I think that's another validator in terms of development academy, in terms of showing these guys football IQ. And I was talking to somebody about this the other day. We're seeing a, a crop of players coming through professional environments now, where previous generations would have had mostly our big athletes on the field, like developed players, pure speed, open kind of run and gun type of players. But now we're seeing Paxton Erickson. Uh, uh, when you look at him is uh, uh, Aronson is, is doesn't look like an athlete. He's not overly explosive. He's not pure speed. He's not overly aggressive, but he's a good footballer. Right. And we're seeing that now from a number of players within this team that I think we're seeing just a notch up in terms of that consistency, consistency and quality at this age that now comes the pressure. Can, can you now handle, can you do that under pressure? Uh, which they did to qualify for a U20, but this is a semifinal. They're the reigning champions of the U20 CONCACAF championship, and they need to be able to, to qualify for this Olympics and then and then hopefully uh, either take on, I believe it's um, Dominican Republic or Guatemala in the final. Yeah, which is going to be really exciting. Speaking of Honduras, though, they've won all five of their games so far in this tournament. They took down Antigua and Barbuda 3-0 in the opening game, beat Jamaica 5-0. Took down Costa Rica, who the U.S. just beat. Honduras uh, beat them 1-0. It was a pretty close game. Costa Rica is definitely difficult. And then they played in the round of 16, uh, Curachao. They won 4-1. And they just beat Panama 2-1 in the quarterfinals. So didn't give up any goals in the group stages. This team is going to be difficult to beat. And they know what's on the line as well. I mean, we just saw Dominican Republic, who who got into their first ever FIFA-sanctioned tournament as a nation by qualifying to get into the semifinals here, Charlie. So you can't really sleep on any of these teams when they have that hunger to prove themselves. And they're home. They're home. And they're home. Honduras is at home as well, which makes a big deal. That is a big deal. And as we know, it's, it's not an easy place to go down to Honduras and get a result, Charlie. No, I'm excited to watch because this is a test. This is the kind of test you want. And if we want to go places with our, with our youth, you have to win these games. All, all of our most, I mean, Paxton Aronson has played, considerable uh, MLS minutes, Cade Cowell, you, you go down the line, Caden Clark. These players have experience, vast amount of experience, but that means nothing if you don't put it together and deliver. And in this mm-hmm. moment, which is going to be the toughest playing on the road in Honduras, this is what develops you and prepares you for the next stage, the next step. And then world cup qualifying. Cause now you say I've been there. 
yes, the level comes up, but you 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 now understand what that environment looks like. So I'll be tuning in. Same, yeah. same. I will as well. And, and I think what's important for everybody that might be just entering into the youth national team foray for the first time, a lot of these players are going to be the players that are now pushing out the guys that are currently in the senior team, or at least trying to help them compete, right? We're going to get a whole bunch of guys on our senior team that are going to get a World Cup experience. And then we're going to have a couple of these younger players who I think are going to be vital contributors for us. I don't know if they're going to be starters or super subs for the 2026 World Cup. So you're you're really seeing the future here. And and you got players like Quinn Sullivan, who's got five goals. Uh, Paxton Aronson, Brendan Aronson's little brother already has four. Kate Cow, Nico Chikiris both have two. Caden Clark, uh, really love Diego Luna's game. He, you know, he's, he's excellent in pulling the strings in midfield. And there's got Jack McGlynn. I mean, Tyler Wolf, they're just players that are going to be competing and pushing. And that's only a good problem to have, even though I made fun of Julian Lescott for anyone having a problem with that. That's I'm switching narratives when, I, when it fits what I want, everybody, okay? So, so that would be a great game. Again, it kicks off on Fubo TV, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, U.S. U-20s taking on Honduras' U-20s. After 90 minutes, the winner will go qualify for the Olympics and obviously book their ticket to the final of the CONCACAF championship. All right, that was a great show, everybody, but I want to get some final thoughts. Uh, Charlie, I'm going to come to you first. You want to talk Three Lions? You want to talk Jordan Peefock, the USU 20s? Anything three. that's wet in your whistle? What do you got for us here as a final thought? Three Lions, they they think they're bringing home the cup. <laughs> they think they're bringing home the cup. That's it. Mm-hmm. All and, right. And, 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 I, I, uh, I wrote the We Lions behind me on my little board. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. And, it. and then also, uh, Lescott thinks that he he could take down Gooch in the arm wrestling contest. No chance. He he thinks he could. He, he was no like, no he, chance. He's like Big Meeks means it ain't no, ain't me. Big Meeks. <laughs> Big Meeks. Is, yeah, he's. He, We're gonna he have to get that strength. set up. We're gonna yeah, have to get that set up because there's no chance Gooch would eat him up. I I agree. All right, and uh, Heath, what do you got for us? Final thoughts. Yeah, mine mine's still just on the on the U twenties. That it, let's not forget that you go back a year ago, and we're talking about the Olympics, and it was Honduras, and we were on paper way better than Honduras was in terms of professional players and the environments that they're spending their time in, and we got punched right in the face. And that's actually the only thing that's making me happy about going into this game is that you know those players know about it; they're being referenced to it of saying, "Hey, if you do not show up and fight at a minimum." Honduras, who are at home in this game, they're going to run you off the pitch and they're going to score. They're going to celebrate. And then all the CONCACAF antics that run run deep in the blood of, of everyone in CONCACAF, especially these Central American nations, they will make it difficult for you and 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 uh, you have to be able to show up. So I'm hoping that there is some sort of... I'm hoping that tonight they are re-watching that uh, 23 Olympic qualifying game uh, because it was a big deal and a huge loss for the U.S. and and one that showed exactly... That talent doesn't mean anything um, at the end of the day. When, when, when you're going out to qualify for something, you, you got to do more than just, just play well. So if you're having any withdrawals that the U.S. men's national team isn't playing right now, go support our U-20s. we got a big one tomorrow night, and that is going to be a lot of fun to watch. We'll be watching, of course, all three of us. So that is it for today's show. On behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Charlie Chuckwagon Davies, and Hollywood Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad saying thank you for listening and watching in Soccer We Trust. We'll see you next time. Later.